Okay, let's invite Adam up. Um, and I'm just going to pray for you, Adam, if that's all right. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can enter in. We just lift Adam up to you now, Lord. I thank you that you are a God who speaks. And one of the ways you speak to us is through others. I just pray that a real anointing over his words now, Holy Spirit, that you would guide him and that you would bless him. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, well, look, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians today. Good morning, by the way. Good morning. Can I ask Vlada? Where's Vlada? Can I ask you to come forward? We're going to read Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Um, but first of all, we're going to read it in Russian, and then I'm going to read it in English. So, Vlada. Благословивший нас во Христе всяким духовным благословением в небесах, так как Он избрал нас в Нем прежде создания мира, чтобы мы были святы и непорочны пред Ним в любви, предопределив усыновить нас себе через Иисуса Христа по благоволению воли Своей и похвалу славы благодати Своей, которую Он облагодатствовал нас возлюбленным, в котором мы имеем искупление кровью Его, прощение грехов по богатству благодати Его, какого Он в преизбытке даровал нам во всякой премудрости и разумении, открыв нам тайну своей воли по своему благоволению, которое Он прежде положил в Нем, в устроение полноты в ребен, дабы все небесное и земное соединить под головой Христом. В Нем мы и сделались наследниками, быв предназначены к тому, по определению совершающего, все по изволению воли своей, дабы послужить к похвале славы Его нам, которые ранее уповали на Христа. В Нем и вы, услышав Слово истины, благовествование вашего спасения, you read that like a natural. Amazing. Okay, this is the English uh, version. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. 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 That is a wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture, isn't it? Yes, occasional smile would be good. That would be excellent. And if you've been a Christian for a while, the likelihood is you have read that passage a fair few times. 
and probably some of you have even bought a study book and studied it. Who's bought a study book and studied Ephesians at some point? Okay, some of you, that's good. And you, some of you may have even got to the point now where you can quote chunks of this absolutely verbatim, just off the top of your head. And that's really good. Well done if you've done that. Well done if you've studied this. Because this is chock-a-block, isn't it? Chock-a-block, full of truth, full of extraordinary things as we uh, go through it. Absolutely outstanding, incredible list of God's amazing blessings that he has poured over you if you are a believer. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's take a little look at what God has so graciously given to you. Well, here we go. This is what's listed. These are the blessings for all believers. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing available. Everything in his armory, everything in heaven has come your way. That's what this is telling us. The lot, nothing reserved, nothing for special Christians. No, no, we all get it. The whole lot, every blessing. You have been chosen in him. He took a look at you and he said, I want that one. He took a look at you and he said, I want that one. And he came after you to win you. He chose you. You are holy and blameless before him. <laughs> That's kind of ridiculous because we're not holy and blameless, are we? Well, perhaps you might be, but I, I have not lived a life that says, yeah, I'm completely blameless. No, I am not. Yet in Christ, I am. You are now holy and blameless. When God looks at you, says you're holy and blameless. It's good. <laughs> you have been adopted into his family. So God took one look at you. You were an orphan. You were far away from you. And God said, I know, this. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to adopt them into my family. I don't know how the angels would have reacted, whether they would have fallen about laughing, thinking God was telling a joke. <laughs> are you going to adopt that lot? Are you kidding? Oh, you mean it? Oh, you are. We have been adopted into the family of God. This passage tells us that the mystery of God's will and his plan has been made known to us. God's plan, his thinking, he's let you in to what the purpose and plan of the universe is. You know it because you know him. We have obtained an inheritance in him and you have been now sealed with the Holy Spirit to guarantee that you will get this inheritance that God is speaking about. You know, in, uh, sometimes uh, people can be written out of a will, can't they? They can fall out with the person whose will it is and they can say, well, we're writing you out of the will. You're not getting any inheritance from me. But God has said, no, no, I am guaranteeing that you will get your inheritance. You will not be written out of God's will. This is, just in case you're not impressed with it, this is a magnificent list of blessing. It is an extraordinary list of God's favour and blessing that has been poured out on all believers. And I'm excited about it. <laughs> now, I think though we just need to have a quick look at this list of blessings because we need to observe a couple of things. We need to see this. These are very specific blessings, and they are exclusive. These are for family only. 
These are for believers only. They only come to you if you are, as this scripture says, in Christ. That's how these blessings come to you, if you are in Christ. God, of course, is so good that he does bless all humanity. Did you know that? Yeah, well, he does. And we call that common grace. Okay, and so the Bible says that God causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. So you may have noticed there are people that are not particularly righteous in this world who have a lot of good things. Have you noticed that? Oh, you lot, you're hard work this morning. Right, okay. Okay, um, well, he has. You may have noticed that actually people who don't live well find themselves with wealth and success, and children who prosper, and all sorts of things we would quite like. Why is that? Well, every good thing comes from God. And he pours out his blessings on those who don't deserve it, who are not his family, as well as, the, as blessings um, uh, those that do. But they don't get this lot. This is for the family only. This is for you as a believer. These are profound wonderful, deep blessings. Now, having just raved about these blessings, I need to tell you, this morning, I am not going to be looking at these blessings in detail. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and take a look at some of the other information in these verses. Because these blessings that we get are actually the fruit of something else that God has done. They come to us because of something else that God has done. And we really need to be aware of this other thing that God has done. It's as though this morning I want to look at the context for these blessings. Imagine that. Imagine you wake up one morning and you go downstairs. You're still in your pyjamas and you make yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And you wander over to your PC and you switch it on. And you think, I just need to examine my bank account to see how we're doing. And you switch it on. There you are, leisurely taking a sip of your tea, and to your amazement, it says, oh, to your credit, there is 50 trillion pounds. Wow. Uh, you might spill your tea a bit there, don't you think? Oh, what's happening there? My yeah, yeah. Well, you would think like that. And you'd think, wow, that's amazing. But very quickly, you'd suddenly say, I like Edge, hang on a minute. There are some questions I need to ask around this. Where did this come from? Why is it there? Is it really meant for me? Can I spend it? That would be quite a big uh, question I'd expect. There are context questions around that. And actually there are context questions around these blessings that we need to look at. This is our 50 trillion pounds, our spiritual 50 trillion pounds. So, that's what I'm going to try and do this morning. So, where am I going to start? Well, I'm going to start in verse 10 with one word. I want to pay attention to some specific words that are used in this uh, scripture. And the first word I'd like to look at is verse 10, plan. We're told that God has prepared a plan. And then as you can see, in verse 5, and in fact verse 9 as well, we're told that he has a purpose. And we also then find out in verse 11 that he is working out all things according to the counsel of his will. 
So quite quickly, as we begin to read these scriptures, we, we hear these words, plan, purpose, will. And it builds a picture quite quickly. We suddenly realise God has been up to something. He's been preparing something. He's been doing something. He has been making a plan. Now, I don't know what your plans are like. How do you do with planning? Some of my planning can be quite good. I can sometimes put a plan into operation and see it through. There are other things that I'm not so good at, normally surrounding losing weight. So I say to myself, I will lose a stone in two months' time. I'm going to lose a stone. I'm going to be iron in my discipline. And then in two days' time, somebody comes in to the office with donuts. And I think, you know, you don't want to rush these things, really, do you? <laughs> so my, my, my plan is not quite as fixed as I thought perhaps it might be. I, we need to know God's plan is fixed. It's not been put on a shelf. It is functioning. We hear that God is working all things out according to the counsel of his will. Functioning plan. We see that this plan from these scriptures has a beginning and an end. Have you seen that? The end? It, um, it, it says that his, the end, which of course we studied, didn't we, when we looked at Revelation. Who was here for the Revelation? Yeah, chapter 21. And we saw that God's plan is to unite all things in heaven and earth under one head in Christ. And we saw, when we looked at Revelation 21, that God is going to bring heaven and this new heaven and new earth together. Do you remember that? And he, God, is going to dwell with man. That is the kind of conclusion of this great plan that God has put into place. So we, we really do see, hang on a minute, this is the context. These, these blessings that are going to come to us come within the context of God's forethought out plan. And I think this idea gets even stronger when God uses this word predestined. Predestined. That's used twice in these scriptures. You did you know that you were predestined to be adopted as a child of God? You were predestined. You were predestined also to have an inheritance in Christ. That means God has been working in advance of your will. He has been working all those years ago and he said, yep. Yeah. And you say, well, I just became a Christian because my friend was a Christian and I just happened to go along to church. You know, I just happened to be there, just, you know, chance, really. No. God found a way to get you saved because you were predestined to know him. You can get to hot water with this word. You really can. I want to give you a definition, though, of predestined. This is the definition. It's an outcome or course of events determined in advance by divine fate or will. Your involvement in church, your involvement in the Christian faith is not a chance. It is by the design of God. He, he wanted you, which is why you're here. The other thing I think we can see through uh, this is that we, the plan is not of our making. God has got a plan, not of our making. And... You and I, because we're predestined, have a part to play in his plan. Hello? Yeah. Right, okay. So God has a blueprint. 
He is not making this stuff up as he goes. He's not saying to Jesus when he wakes up in the morning, not that God wakes up, but you know what I mean? He doesn't say, hey Jesus, what do you fancy doing today? Oh, I don't know, I haven't really thought about this. Let's go over there. No, no, he's not operating like that. Another question I think we need to ask then is, we, will we see when the plan is going to end? When, when did the plan start? Well, verse 4 tells us, before the foundation of the world. God had a plan before the foundation of the world. Now, um, most of us think, I suspect, but things start to get interesting for us at Genesis chapter 1. Because after all, that's the beginning of the book, isn't it? Genesis chapter 1. And it says, doesn't it, in the beginning. So you think, well, this is the beginning, the official beginning. So that's when things get going. And after all, the earth is made, which means humans can exist. Adam and Eve come. They have children. They have other children, so on and so forth. And then suddenly, out pops you. There you are. So that's sort of when the beginning is, isn't it? What Ephesians is telling us is that there's information before the beginning that we need to know about. God was up to stuff before Genesis chapter 1 that he wants us now to know about. This sort of pre-beginning stuff, if I could put it that way. I think the scripture is telling us something quite important. I think it's telling us this, that before the foundation of the earth, God was thinking about you. You are on his mind. Who knows, possibly even your name. He was thinking about you. That's what God was doing before the formation of the earth. You were on his mind. He was thinking and preparing and planning for your benefit. In love, it says, in love you were predestined. So the motivation of God is exposed. In love, he's thinking, right, the plan. And he's thinking this, he's thinking, how do I deliver them from sin? How do I bring freedom into their lives? How do I give them a privileged position before me? I know I'll adopt them. They can be my children, which means they can come in boldly before my throne. Come right in. This is what God was thinking about before the foundation of the earth. He was thinking how, as as the phrase here, how he could lavish his love on you. As Ian Lane would say, that's quite good. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, it's a famous Welsh preacher, marvellous guy from the last century. And I've been listening to quite a lot of his preaching on Ephesians. And he frames it in a particular way. And I'd like to sort of try and repeat to you. I can't do the accent, mind you, but no, no, I can't. It's very deep and profound. I can't, can't, can't. And he says this. He said, what happened before the foundation of the world was that God held a great eternal council. That's the phrase he uses, this great eternal council. And it was attended only by three. 
It was attended by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at this council, they discussed and they planned what was going to be done because they saw what was going to happen to mankind once they had made mankind and made the earth. And they saw that Adam would quite quickly, and indeed all of mankind, would fall into sin. And they saw the separation that there would be between God and man and the dire position that left humanity. And they saw the eternal consequence of hell for man unless God intervened. That's what was going on uh, at this council. And um, Lord Jones says that, so they decided to draw up a great covenant. And sometimes theologians refer to this as the covenant of grace. Sometimes it's referred to as the covenant of redemption. Because it finds its full expression in the new covenant. And in this covenant, before the foundation of the world, the Father agrees to do certain things. He, he contracts to do certain things, if you want to use that phrase. He says this, I will grant forgiveness, and I will grant reconciliation, and I'll give new life, and I'll give a new nature to all who are covered by my son, Jesus. But there's a condition. And the condition is that the son is going to have to come into the world and take the sin of humanity on himself and bear its punishment. He is going to have to stand for them and suffer for them and represent them, which the Son freely is willing to do. But we see the Spirit also is involved. And what he says is that when the Son returns to the Father in heaven, because after Jesus has suffered on the cross, he's going to ascend to the Father's side, isn't he? We know that. When that happens, the Spirit says, but I will stay on earth. And what I will do is I will uh, honour the Son. And I will convict them of sin. And so I'm going to further the purpose of God on the earth. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to cause this covenant to prosper uh, on the earth. So they all agree to take on certain responsibilities in this great council before the foundation of the earth, full of love for us. Lord Jones puts it this way. He says, the Father planned it, the Son put it into operation, and the Spirit applies it. The Father planned it, the Son put it into operation, and the Spirit applies it. And all of this has been worked out before the first human being has even come into operation. In fact, before the earth was created. It, it, the fact that it exists, of course, is why God is able in the Garden of Eden, when Adam falls, he's made, uh, able to instantly say to Satan, the day is coming when the woman's seed, Jesus, will crush your head. You will strike his heel, but he will crush you. How is he able to do that? It's because it's already been worked out in advance. He knows. So he's able to say it instantly at that time. What's the context of all these blessings? Well, that's the context. This extraordinary plan that God has worked out from the beginning right through to the end. It reaches its height, of course, in the coming of Jesus. 
and Jesus comes and does his part, therefore, these blessings now can be poured on you. That's the context. Extraordinary context. Are you glad that God's there? Aren't you grateful that he, he had that counsel, as it were? Aren't you grateful that he's been thinking about you? He's been loving you since before you were born. That's why the 50 million pounds has been credited to your account. 50 billion, no, trillion, no, it's gone down. 50 trillion pounds. 50 trillion. The spiritual 50 trillion. That's why you can, as it were, switch on, switch on your spiritual computer and have a look and see them there and know that they are for you. It's not a mistake. He meant always to give this to you before the foundation of the earth. It's really important as well, Christians, we understand this. God didn't make up salvation in the moment. You know, he didn't think, oh, they've sinned, they've sinned, I wasn't expecting that. What are we going to happen, Jesus? What are we going to do? Jesus, go down there and sort it out, will you? No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't do that. God was not freestyling. He had a plan. And we are told from these scriptures this, that he pours out these blessings with all wisdom and insight. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was going to give us. Because all of this emphasizes to us why Jesus Christ is so important. Why he is so dear to us. Why there is only one name under heaven by which we must be saved. His death, his life, his resurrection and his ascension into heaven is critical to this whole plan. It could not have happened without this. You would not have received the blessings without the work that Jesus did on the cross. We couldn't have done this. It also shows us why religion is such folly. Religion, of course, says this. If you do more good things than bad things, you'll get into heaven. No, you won't. No, you won't. You get into heaven because God chose you. Because God decided in advance, I'm going to pour out my love on them. And it's also, I suspect, why Paul so strongly in this passage labours uh, this whole idea. He says, he mentions being in Christ. Christ. Or in him. Or in the beloved. He mentions it something like 11 times in this passage. The blessings, the context for the blessings is this. They come when you are in Christ. They don't come outside of Christ. The other thing I'd like to look at this morning is within this passage the very obvious sense of excitement and praise that pours out of Paul. And um, he, uh, as he writes these verses, honestly, when you read some of the commentators, all of them make reference to this, just how excited he is. And uh, uh, John Stott refers to it as a cascade of praise. Uh, one commentator referred to it like this, he said it's like a snowball tumbling down a hill, picking up volume as it descends. Oh gosh, he was having a good afternoon that afternoon, wasn't he? Another one said it's like a, a rhapsodic adoration, comparable to the overture of an opera. Yeah, they were laxing, waxing, waxing, waxing lyrical, weren't they? 
However you describe it, it's really obvious when you go through this that Paul is absolutely full of worship uh, and uh, wonder at the blessings that are being given. And uh, <clears throat> apparently one of the things you can tell here is that when Paul wrote this, it's like one great big long sentence with very little punctuation. So when he was writing it, he was like so excited he forgot about grammar. Oh, I'm so excited. I've got to tell them. Look, the blessings. Look at this one and this one and this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't forget to put commas in, Paul. You know, what, 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 you know, he just said, no, I'm just so desperate to tell them how wonderful this is. And so you see, he starts, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, this is so good. And then you can hear his language sort of accelerate and he's getting quite, you know, God lavishes love on us and it gets all very expressive and God is pouring this stuff out and then he gets about to verse 6 and he thinks he's just got to burst into praise again. So he says, to the praise of his glorious grace. Oh, this is stunning stuff. And then at the end, he, can't, he just can't stop. He's saying, to, to the praise of his glory. Yeah. Yeah. He's absolutely, he's on a roll, Paul. He's just full of praise. And uh, again, listening to Lloyd-Jones, Lloyd-Jones would say this. It's an indicator for us as believers of our maturity in Christ as to how we react to the big truths of the Christian gospel. If your heart explodes into worship, what that is saying is that it has gone from being an idea and it has dropped into your heart. And you say, oh, I see this. This is magnificent. It's an indicator of your maturity. Um, actually, for most of us, it probably hasn't. It's the truth. And that's why you'll see Paul in the verses that come after it say, look, I'm going to pray for you guys that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Do you know that phrase? The eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you may understand. He's wanting this sort of, the glory of these blessings to be understood here, not just in here. You see, because I can tell you about these blessings and you could say, well, yeah, they're all right. Yeah, no, they're good. I see that they're good. But, you know, to be honest, I'm more excited about the outcome of Strictly Come Dancing, if I'm really honest. Because, you know, I find that very exciting. But this, I sort of know it's good, but, you know. Mm. I think it's a work of the Spirit. So Paul is praying for them. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. We can't fake this if there's no thrill around this. But it's a really helpful indicator for you to just to think, actually, no, this hasn't gone as deeply in me as it needs to. Yeah. So when people say, you need to know this, I know that you know it, but you don't know it. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we need to pray for. But the eyes of your heart, so that when we talk about and sing about these truths, your response is, oh, God! This is magnificent. Yeah. And not, yeah, no, I know that's good. It's a completely different thing. And because Mo Paul is modeling this extreme praise and adoration of these verses, of these truths. 
I was pondering this as well, just saying, Lord, that's really good. And I, a couple of mornings ago, I woke up thinking about this, about you know how excited Paul was about all of this. And I just, as you kind of have those moments where you just wake up, you know what I mean? And I was just thinking about it then, and I thought, this of course is the word of God, isn't it? This passage. Yeah. We believe that God inspired this passage, don't we? Yeah. So this isn't just a man who's excited. This is a reflection of how God feels. God is really, really excited as a heavenly father that this stuff is coming our way. Imagine, imagine it like this. Imagine that you have a young child, a youngest child, and they come to you, it comes to their parents, and you're one of the parents, and this child says, oh, I really, really want a this, that, or the other for my birthday. And then as parents, you look at each other and you think, that's really expensive, and that's really hard to get. Oh boy, what are we going to do? But you go away and you work out, you think, but you know what, we can do that. And while it costs a lot, it's hard to get, you eventually manage to get it. And you manage to get it a month in advance. And you wrap it up and you put it up in a cupboard and you lock the cupboard thinking they won't get in there. Although, to be fair, some of them do. But they, no, no, generally, they don't. They lock that away. And then the day comes when it's the birthday. And you get the present down. And you give it to the child. And the child says, this is amazing! But actually, the truth is, you are probably more excited than the child. You get more out of that. You've had to lock away this secret. And then eventually the day comes where it comes out. And you are thrilled. And the child is thrilled. It's a little bit of a poor image, really. But it's a little bit like what God has done. He's had to lock away these extraordinary truths. They are referred to as a mystery that have been hidden God's had it locked away in the cupboard. And the day's come and he's thinking, I can't wait. And he gets the present down and he says, right, these are the blessings. And he's exploding with excitement. And Paul is exploding with excitement. It is reflecting something of the Father's heart. He is very thrilled that this stuff is coming our way. He's dancing as a father because he knows how good it is. You might not yet. You might not yet, but you will do. You press into him. Yeah. Press into him. The New King James Version has a phrase that's not used in the ESV. I put it in the ESV and it says this. These blessings have come according to God's good pleasure. Twice it says that is good pleasure. This stuff gives God pleasure. The pleasure of God is to pour out his blessings on you as believers. It was a good morning when I woke up and thought, yeah, I see that. I see that. I see. This is the Father's heart. He is excited. These scriptures are imbued with excitement because it's the Father's excitement that's coming through. I want to end uh, this morning by just saying this, look, earlier on I said that these blessings are exclusive. And that's true, they are ex exclusive only to family. But the good news is you can become part of the family. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you have not received Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, the good news is you can. 
and then you also will come into these blessings. They will be poured liberally out on you. So I just want to say this to you. Why don't you receive Christ as Lord and Saviour? That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Well, that's, that's how you become a Christian. You receive him as Lord and Saviour. And you do that through faith in Christ, believing that he is the Son of God. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago and then rose again. And you do it also by repenting of your sin. Repenting means you stop doing it, you turn away from it, do something else. Just like everyone's just to close our eyes, it could be that you're watching online, or it could be that you're here today. And I just want to invite you just to say, Jesus, I believe. Somehow I find myself in a position where I just believe that you are the Son of God. And I know I've done some stuff wrong, and, and I want to turn away from it. I want to say I'm sorry, and then I want to turn away from it. If you'd like to do that, can I encourage you, in the quietness of your own heart, just to say, God, yeah, that's what I want to do. Please, I believe, and I repent. The Bible says this, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, is God, you will be saved. You will cross over from death into life. And then all of these blessings will instantaneously come your way. I'm going to end by praying for you. There, there are so many other things. This is so packed with truth. There are so many other things. I'm just looking at verse 3, and there's a whole sermon in verse 3. What does he mean by every spiritual blessing? What does he mean by in the heavenly places? And there are lots of things for us to look at. I encourage you to start digging out some of these truths for yourself. I encourage you to listen to preaching on it. I encourage you to buy a study book and go through this, um, this book. This was the favourite book of John Calvin, a great uh, figure from the past. He adored it. I'm going to pray for you though. Everyone who would like this to drop from your head to your heart, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. I'd like you to close your eyes and just put, up, put your hands out to God. Father, we just want to start by saying thank you for your amazing goodness to us. Thank you for the generosity of what you've poured out. Thank you, Father, for these blessings. I think we can appreciate them at least in our head and say, yeah, they're good. But Father, we want to hear what your word says. We want to hear that we need the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened so that it will go deeply into us, so that we will explode with praise and gratitude and thanksgiving. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now, right now to come and to open the eyes of our heart. We ask that you will bring revelation on these deep truths, these, these wonderful blessings. Father, we need your help to understand them. So Spirit of God, we welcome you. Come and do it. Honour Jesus in our lives by helping us to see in your mighty name. Amen. 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 Bless you. Well, look, uh, that kind of brings us to the end. I hope that's been a, a helpful little bit of context for you. Kind of frustrating. We can't get into the blessings, really, isn't it? But I think that's, it's important for us to see the plan. 
but it was always designed uh, for you and me.